everyone to episode 3 of At 28 I Said. I'm your host for this episode and I am Tina and I'm here with my co-hosts Kishan and Stefan. Hey. Hello. We also have a guest speaker for this episode who is Krupa. Hello. Krupa, before we get started at the episode, why don't you introduce how you and I know each other? So I met you while I was in university on, I think it was our like first few days at our uni halls where I met you through your sister. So when we first joined university, uh, I had just come in and I, my sister and my family were helping me uh, put my, my stuff away and Krupa met my sister uh, and introduced herself. Uh, and then my sister brought her along to my room. My sister was the one joining university. My sister then brought her to my room and introduced her, introduced her to me. And Krupa was then my first friend at university. Uh, and actually it's through Krupa that I met most of the other people I'm now friends with. And how do you know Stefan and Kishin? So I met actually both of them through Roshni, who's one of our other friends that I met actually in the same uni halls as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I met you when you came down Cardiff for UV party, I think. Yeah. And we met at Roshni's murder mystery party. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our first topic. So uh, the topic for our first part of this episode uh, is going to be around, uh, well, Asian parenting and careers. So I know that all of us coming from an Asian background uh, had a lot of pressure from our parents uh, to go into a particular field. So I think the most popular ones were things like doctors, engineers, accountants, of similar, of the likes kind of thing. And something that I wanted to discuss today was around, firstly, your thoughts on should they have done that? Why might they have done that? Would you get your, would you do the same for your kids? Uh, and also if, if there are careers that you would want to encourage your kids to go into or future generations to go into, would they still be the same careers? Because I know for me, it probably would be a bit different, but I will let someone else kick off the topic with their thoughts on, firstly, should they have, and might, why might they have done so? So, well, I was actually speaking to my grandparents about this a few years ago before I picked what I wanted to do for university. I asked them why Indian people, well, yeah, Indians and Asians in general, only have specific jobs. And they actually told me about how, obviously, generations ago, most of Gujaratis, that's what I am, were actually like farmers. And so obviously they didn't want their next generations to do the same thing because obviously there wasn't more money in it. And so that's why it's a stereotype now, but that was the reason behind it. Whereas they wanted people to make more money, to have better lifestyles. And that's why they wanted, and these were the four jobs that obviously at that time made the most money. And that's why they wanted it. To add to the money point, I would say a lot of it is also prestige. In the Asian culture, a lot of things come down to, is it respectable? Is it something we can be proud of? It comes hand in hand with how much you earn, definitely. But I think that's quite a big flaw in the Asian community. We always care about what other people think. There are many jobs in the UK that actually pay really well, but are frowned upon, mm. such as, I don't know the actual term for it, but you know, the people who clean our bins. They get paid really well, but as an Asian... Train drivers, another one. Yeah. Get paid loads, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but it would not be... Well, I wouldn't say it's not acceptable, but your parents would not be pushing you to get into those kind of fields. In terms of getting one of those jobs and pursuing that job is also, you know, the culture thing where Asian parents, they want to also show off or look. My son son and my daughter. And it also comes down to... Back in the days, like you during your grandparents' time, I don't know if there was something to do with, you know, marriage or something like that, you know, where 
this person can only get married to this person mm -hmm. because of you know the career profession. Yeah, uh, yeah that he, could, that could it was definitely a selling point, wasn't it? it was, I yeah. mean, last time we talked oh, about yeah. arranged marriage, and if you have, if you were a doctor or you were a yeah. engineer or accountant, you had a lot more opportunities available to you mm. in terms of suitors. So we talk a bit about why that might have happened. I guess, firstly, like. How do you feel like that influenced you? Do you see it as a bad thing or well, do you feel quite grateful for it? Do you mind if I just add one more point before yeah. we move into that? In addition to the prestige and the money, which is a big part in the culture of the Asians, the other aspect I feel that is very embedded in Asian culture is we always want a better life, and this is talking in financial terms, for our children than we had. That's why our parents struggled a lot, you know, to give us a better financial life. Whereas I feel like in the Western culture, it's a lot more about finding your happiness. Mm. Yeah. And you can yeah. definitely argue the case which <laughs> is so more true. important. Mm -hmm. But I think that, that's a big driving force. And to your point, to your point to the question you were just asking, how did it affect my life? I don't know if you guys know, but I didn't actually want to go into accounting. I mean, I've been always been very good with numbers, so it, it kind of fit my profile. And I don't have much to complain, I've got a good job. So do you mean like your parents, like you did yes. it just for your parents? Exactly, yes. Your parents Essentially, you... I, I only had four choices. I really wanted to do IT at the time, but it was very hard to explain to my parents, well, to my mom especially, that IT is actually mm -hmm. well-paying, well-reputable. I had to kind of bargain with my mom at the point where I was like, okay, I'll go to uni for accounting for your sake, but afterwards I will go back into mm -hmm. IT. And that's how we came to common grounds. And, but as you probably know, you just once kind you of, it, yeah. yeah, once you've done it, you just kind of want to start to work. So I never got back to it, which is a big regret in life. I feel like, well, we, we all know people who work in IT and they do really well. Mm -hmm. And I think I would have enjoyed myself knowing it's something I chose for mm -hmm. myself. What about you guys? Yeah, I only did accounting because, I mean, I did the degree, which, well, no, so I actually wanted to be a physiotherapist, mm -hmm. except I then had loads of like back problems and stuff, so I couldn't do it. So it just didn't help with everything. Yeah. So, so then this was just the easy way of getting into uni, getting a job. Like basically, I was this was like subjects that I was good at. But wasn't pressure from your family. No, they were actually quite okay because at this point, because they obviously knew all the troubles I was facing, so they were all just like, let's just find stuff that you were good at and then just go from there. Mm. So I just kind of went with that, and then when I went to uni, it was like we picked something that we thought, yeah, you like this in A levels. I I picked engineering and. Uh... That at that time it was like oh it's gonna be the next big thing you know yeah well yes um, as well yeah and I didn't get forced with my parents to do this specific subject so it was more like just do what you think is better for you oh, that's so good. but when when I was growing up uh, there were some suggestions and uh, yeah but I was I was glad I yeah picked something that I thought I thought might I'm be good really as well. glad that I picked economics yeah. as well because I, I just so I don't do uh, anything related to my subject now but the way it was always positioned to me was do something that is like one of the core academic subjects because then you have a lot you can if you then have a lot you can fall back on uh, which I think has definitely been true um, and I I've been in my career for seven years and still consider if it's what I want to do long term oh, yeah. so okay yeah. I'm going to move the subject on to so we've talked about kind of our, our thoughts on whether we should have and how we felt about it but rather like core subjects in the future like do you think that they've changed so we, we mentioned again Doctor, engineer, pharmacist was another one. Um, kind of those are the core subjects. Do you think they are still the most important? And so one of the things on this, like you talked about wanting to go into computing, and actually now mm. that actually probably is one of the, the biggest fields. Yeah. So 
do you see that changing in the future? Coding has become a subject in schools. Yeah. So that's like I think, a I think, I think yeah. the biggest change would be, you know, when, I, when we grow up, maybe, you know, when I have kids, for example, you know, they, I think I'll tell the kids, you know, to enjoy what they like doing for mm. coding, for instance, you know, and uh, they don't really need to do this all these big topics that we are associated, you know. I think uh, I know a lot of people who work, who work on this field, but at the same time, they're giving up so much in terms of working hard, uh, working, you know, extra long hours because of the profession. Mm. But you can't you can just be, be doing another job where you get less money, but you, know, you, get, you get a happy life, like yeah. you get flexy, you know. But don't you think that like before they decide to do what they're doing, don't you think that they should at least learn the core subjects? Because regardless if they help you with your career, they actually do help you. I, I don't agree with that. You know, if like, let's say if you had kids in the next, you know, yeah. would you tell your kids become a doctor? To. Oh no, I would tell them, a, but I would, would you like them, them to do, like I would like them to have some type of foundation of basic, like the core. No, but what, no, no, no. what would you push them to do? Push oh, I would never push my kids to do anything. They could so do if they were they a big man, would, but I guess would you be happy? Zilla never got pushed in her own yeah. Right. family. So, so, yeah, I wasn't ever forced to do something I didn't want to do specifically. But, but I mean, well, Binmin is a bit of a stretch huh? though. I mean, Binmin, like I want them to have a full education. But is that because it's not reputable enough for you? Or? No, I actually just think that this, in the world we live in, you need to have a full education to survive. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm not saying don't be educated. You could be educated and be a big man. Yeah, I agree. But I want them to make that choice now. I would still want them to be completely educated and then... Right. So you wouldn't mind what job they get from? Yeah, but it's always through their full potential. Like, I want them to reach their potential. I want them to know... But what if their potential do. was they wanted to be the best pin in the world? Hypothetically. I don't know. I find that really weird, but okay. Right. So if you... If I don't you... know. I feel like I would... I mean, I say it now, but I don't know. Yeah, I understand so, that, you know, but we so have... It's not like, like, we don't have any people who've been... Like, for, the, for the Asian community, we have this tendency of comparing, you know, what people yeah. are doing mm. and uh, trying and see every parent, you'll be like, my son has done that. So it's an element of that. And imagine, do you think you'll be proud of saying, my daughter or son so, is doing that? Okay, do you think I, in this you'll case, support them then? Th- no, well, the thing is, I don't, like, my family don't compare, which is good. That's one strict thing we have in our family, but we just don't compare. That's good, okay. Yeah. And that's yeah. good. Well, so what, about, what about you guys? I, yeah. uh, for me, you know what? I would hope that my kids went down something quite academic. I mean, I think what's something that you said that's actually what I find really interesting is the fact that you want to do computing and then actually your mum, it wasn't a core subject at that time. And now actually, had you just followed that, like, I mean, it's one of the biggest like, skills that are in demand. Yeah, it's the biggest industry. Yeah. yeah, it's like one of the biggest. And so actually, I wonder if there's a part to like, you just trust like your kids to know what's going to be most valuable in the future because actually you become so far removed from what's current like just the way technology moves up i don't understand half of the stuff that's come out and i'm still relatively young so actually mm. i think there is a part of like trusting your kids maybe that is what it is maybe that you raise your kids good enough and just hope that they choose the topic that's going to be right for them in the future right but i, I don't think that those things go hand in hand i mean you can raise a child properly but Everyone needs advice in life. Even I'm now 28 and I still need advice, advice. on what I want to do. For There's advice life. in yeah. pushing. There's yeah. a difference. For argument's sake, you're, you're the only one on this table here who's not from one of those yeah. traditional yeah, yeah. jobs. But yet you did a traditional degree. Yeah. Do you think it would have helped you to do at the time before it was a big industry? No, it wouldn't have. It wouldn't have helped you, right? I, I actually so think were your it parents not? More that I 
the digital, digital instrument. Yeah. Yeah. In that sense, just for the argument's sake. And in the same way, in case you didn't have any. But, but saying that, so yeah. it didn't, like what I was forced to study didn't. I was forced to study something, well, not forced, I, even then my, my family was still relatively lenient. But it wasn't, I, I didn't study to become a doctor, right? Like if I had studied to become a doctor and that's what I was, then I, that's what I would have ended up being. And then actually, at that point, would I have had the same thoughts on the subject? Maybe not. Because like you've so like rightly pointed out, I'm I'm perhaps studied an original like one of the core subjects or whatever, but it's not what I'm working in now. Had my parents been more forceful on the fact that I have to study that subject and then go into banking, then that's actually a completely different subject. It's it's the balance of both. I think actually, so maybe yeah, maybe that's what it is. Influence in education, but then choice after. Let them have their own freedom and choice of what job they want. Of what job yeah. they want. Yeah, like so have a have a core foundation subject to fall back on. In something like, I, I believe, like, well, business is never, I say this, but interesting if it ever does change, but I, business is probably never going to go away. So, in, for your kids, what will you do? So, yeah, so make them go down a business route and then let them do what they want after that. Assuming yeah. if they don't want to do something medical, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But is that pushing them to do that business sort of things? Like, yeah. similar, our core subjects now, because, you know, obviously we brought up with this four core subjects. Mm. Well, uh, you know, I was saying that actually, business then... was always one that was in my family because my dad's a businessman. So exactly. So now, now yeah. would, would you say when you have kids or whatever uh, that you should be doing this, 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 this core yeah, How subjects? hard would you push? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So are we, are we still not breaking the norm of the core subjects you know that we're talking about now because okay i'm going to say something that's quite controversial which is that and this is not this is no way near the average or anything like that because i'm just looking in the uk right but if you look at some of the most successful people in the uk within the business world like financially like within the science world they actually a lot of them come from an asian background and actually where they did have a lot more forcefulness to go into these subjects and actually they're the ones that are leading maybe there is something to it first of all i don't think success our generation would care as much about success i, I wouldn't care if my kid was the biggest ceo in the world yeah, so, me too, yeah. I, I i see your point but at the same time for me there's now more of an element of happiness for my kids than yeah, when my true. parents grew up because they, their their struggle was financial struggle i'm not in the yeah. in the same shoes but what i will say is I would definitely push my kids to be academic and go for one of the biggest job, uh, the, the standard jobs. Um, if they come along and have a different passion, and I can see that they're pushing in there, they, well, they really want it, and I mean really want it. Because they think they're the unique talent. Yeah, not even a talent, but a unique want. I mean, kids are very. One day they want something, one day they don't mm-hmm. experience. They they join clubs and then after a couple of weeks they lose interest. But if I see my kid to have a very strong passion, I would definitely support it. But because my own field of expertise is education, is I can only teach them what I know. And I, I brought this up in the previous podcast too. I'd be just more comfortable pushing them towards something I can give them advice on. Whereas if it's something to do with art, art just literally goes over my head and I would not be able to guide them. And therefore, for that very reason, I would push them into one of the core subjects I feel like I can contribute to their yeah. life too. Cool, Kesh, what about you? I don't. I I don't think I would actually. I, I think I would more like tell them this is what you need to do. I mean, the one thing is, I don't think I'll be pushing. I think I'll be more like you have to do something that you know motivates you, something that you're happy, even if it's less paid. As long as they have a roof over the you know over the over themselves, pay the bills and yeah. So I think I would not. Push would there be so, any yeah. jobs which were off limits? Let's say they became an artist, because Asians have the mentality quite often to be yeah. risk averse, right? Yeah, right? So even if it is something to do with passion, as long as 
you know they can make a living of it, you, 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 you tend to be fine. It's, it's a very interesting project, uh, topic because I don't know, I, I'm not an artist, so I'm not sure what support they'll get from me. So. No, but right, but would okay. you not Basically, try would you part financially support this, your kid while he's trying to become an artist? Yeah, I, I would, yeah, but then at the end of the day, he has to realise that is it profitable? Is it, you know, can he you do that long time? If he can't, then he has to change so, his no, no, let's career. Take, let's take an artist for an example. I actually know someone who was trying to, was trying to become an artist. He did, but yes, how old are you? We're 28 now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, a yeah. po- like a podcast. <laughs> 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 and think about this way, right? So it takes a couple of years. So it, like we're 28. Imagine by the age of 28, your child is not established artist yeah. would you still be ready to financially support him I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna cut that topic there because it can go on for a long time but Krups before we wrap up what about you I guess you kind of answered that question you would I'm very much towards what Stefan said great thanks guys I thought that was a really interesting subject um, and yeah interesting to hear from you guys on your opinions on that I think we're mostly quite aligned um, I want to move on to the next topic, um, which is called News Round, but um, I've, I've bent the rules slightly uh, and actually more picking up on something that is within the media right now in the form of in, in the movies. <laughs> um, and it's a subtopic. So I watched a movie on um, Tuesday, Dark Waters or, or Black Waters, something like that. And it's around uh, a company called DuPont. Um, and they are a massive chemical company and what they were found doing, what this movie is about, as the largest chemical company in the world were very aware that they were contaminating water uh, and contaminating humans uh, with a chemical that was very harmful to humans, uh, like in some ways actually quite cancerous and causing um, a lot of other diseases and illnesses, uh, kids being born with deformities and all sorts. The movie was quite shocking or alarming uh, especially because they knew what they had done and continued to do so and I guess I just kind of wanted to talk about that because for me that kind of raised the topic of have companies become too big so like this in the movie they were almost starting to like manipulate the government in terms of what they produced as like guidance of what's clean water or not one of the stats that the the movie ended with that 99% of creatures including 90 have this chemical that created in in them including 99% of humans which is just nuts um so yeah wanted to get your thoughts on firstly that subject if you know anything about it but also secondly companies and if they've become too big and whether they've got too big to the point that we can actually su- successfully regulate them so in UK I actually in EU as well I think there is regulations and laws uh, that have been passed you know that you can't you have to have mitigations in place for mm. companies you know producing chemicals I feel like in US it was maybe just an oversight you know because it's such a big company so can, can I just ask when, when did this happen because I have not yeah so this was uh, it happened in it was in the 90s at some point right, yeah so but but on that point um, around uh, we have um, we have limits in place actually they pr- produce this like man-made material. They never declared it as a hazardous material. There was never any regulation put in place because governments didn't even know it was something that they should be regulating on. So actually, it's the fact that they were just able to go under under the radar on this because they just never claimed it and we left that responsibility well, to I, them. I did a bit of reading and I don't think that's the case. It wasn't the case that no one knew what was happening, but rather how you previously mentioned that they were so powerful that they were there, able to silence. There was two, yeah. Essentially, farmers were trying to declare what was going on. They were trying to speak to vets. They were trying to speak to specialists. And everyone was turning a blind eye to this because essentially they owned that town. Yeah. But this was, 
you have to take that into perspective. That was thirty years ago. We've advanced a lot in thirty years. But no, but in, to be fair, like I've heard stories where in America, where like Amazon wants to build a warehouse and like towns like do the most ridiculous things to make sure Amazon comes there so that they get jobs. So like they cut down the amount of money they would have to pay the government. Yeah. And ridiculous stuff like stuff. I think corporations still have a lot of power. They they do. A ridiculous amount of but power. regulations are getting stricter. That's another thing. Environmental agencies have boomed over the last couple of years. Global warming wasn't a discussion topic twenty years ago. People are becoming more globally conscious about all the damage they can cause. But and, at a point where it's got at a point where it's it's now getting to the point where we have to like it's it's got to the point where we've caused sufficient damage to our environment. And that's the point where people are starting to take action. Right, yeah. We don't know what we're regulating right now, what we're not regulating that right now, what effects that's going to have in 20 years. Yeah, but no one can read the future. I mean, I think that's... But I think it gets to the point of where these companies are so large that people aren't actually able to sufficiently regulate them. No, I think it's, that it's a good point because... It's like us drinking from plastic bottles and now being told that it's actually bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you know what I think? The things that at the point when people are doing, they're like, oh, it wouldn't be so bad, like 20, 20 years down the line. enough information. It's like the worst thing ever. I was going to make a point here that it's just the, I think it's the culture of, you know, when the elections happen in US is very different to, to here. You know, you have all this global corporation uh, who are donating money, funding to, you know, a presidential campaign. And as part of that, they obviously need something in return back. And uh, because they're such a big company and because of the sponsorship involved, it's very difficult to tackle like, you know, all these glo- all these big companies, especially, for instance, the DuPont, uh, you know, the, the town was clearly, mm-hmm. you know, in support of DuPont and uh, they're getting a lot of money. Obviously, it changes a lot of people, right? And uh, in, when they have a lot of money. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's all depending on where you are. Saying that, though, like, saying that, though, I, so I work in digital advertising and we have self-regulation within our industry and something that I am finding is that company well even within self-regulation is that and this must happen even more so within regulation is that because you don't have people that are you have people that are specialized in regulation you don't have people that are specialized in that industry so you have someone who doesn't understand the ins and outs of a company creating the rules for that company and that's just like such an inefficient model because even on such a small scale i have seen the inefficiencies that that's led to and and if you think of that the uh the the recession that happened in 2007, it was because people who knew the, the businesses, the, the financial system more than the regulators did, were able to corrupt it entirely to bring the, the entire economy to crash. So I just feel like... And yet nobody went to jail. Because they, because they didn't break any laws. They just knew the system well enough and it wasn't regulated efficiently. Yeah, one, of the most big, one of the most influential markets of the world, the financial market... Also, was not being financially was not being regulated effectively. But the the issue with auditing is generally you tend to choose your auditors, which is a flawed system in itself. Mm-hmm. Because if the auditor wants a job next year, yeah, he has to kind of turn a blind eye to you. Um, like some things, right? Yeah. So, but not not even that. Like I think like someone was like Sainsbury had the same auditor for like twenty five to thirty years or something ridiculous like that until recently. Mm. Like you cannot be an you weren't allowed to be an auditor for someone for more than like I think yeah. it's ten years. Like the same partner. I mean, fair no, enough. They, they might have changed. Five years, you should be. Yeah. This um, chemical that they produced was not even a known chemical. Yeah. It was not listed. Well, it was not known point. by regulators as being hazardous. So they uh, can never yeah. regulate it. Uh, again, stick to the point. This was 30 years ago. Yeah. The, exactly. the, the, the 
The scene has changed so much since Mm -hmm. then. Thinking about it now is kind of irrelevant. We don't really know because none of us really work in the environmental agency, but they definitely have gotten stricter. And I don't think if a company like that was to pop up today, it, it wouldn't get away with it. I mean, yes, we can't check everything, but it's gotten a lot harder. And no one predicts the future, so it's, I, don't, I don't blame anyone if it does I, happen. I agree with you because, uh, you know, with all this uh, technology and all these companies, uh, when, when the incident happened, no one knew what the side effects were. And when they did know, you know, that's when we started finding out what the issues were, what the side effects and all the... And that's when we started putting all these regulations. Well, yeah, and then the regulation took everything. 13 years or 15 yeah. years from there. Yeah. To yeah. be able but to start that's, but that's, that's just that's because system. of the legal system. There are legal systems involved. Involved. But you have to also put yourself in mind of 19 whatever it was. Exactly. Yeah. The internet has only existed since 1983, right? Before, I don't know if that's the date where it went public. So communication yeah. back then was much slower. You couldn't say, send batch emails of, of what you found to a lawyer in a different state who is specialist in such. Mm-hmm. Things were just slower back then. It's just... Yeah. You can't retrospectively say they should have done this, they should have done like, that. Like right now, you was could, it wrong? Yes. But imagine right now, you could if you found something bad somewhere, you could like ruin a company like that. Yeah. You only need is a phone. Like yeah. you can see the difference. It's a different like, word. Yeah. Well, I think that actually transitions quite nicely to our next topic, uh, which what I wanted to discuss next was around globalization and has globalization been a good thing? Globalization has existed since like the 15th century when the first ships went round. Um, but really speaking, if you look at the last 20 years and you look at the internet, I really believe that you know globalization has kind of really kicked off uh, or accelerated in that much time. I think now when we talk about things like climate change and we're becoming more and more aware and there's things like Brexit or, you know, there's there's been so many uh, examples of where like borders are starting to, to close. I just think the conversation of was globalisation, is globalisation, has it been a good thing for us? I mean, since globalisation has happened and like you mentioned, it's, the last big boom was after World War Two. You know, the world has decided to become one essentially and trade with each other, trying, you know, reducing uh, trade tariffs has led to great prosperity and in the last couple of years the people who live in poverty which is defined by i think you if you earn 1.25 dollars per day has reduced below 10 percent which is the lowest it's ever been and a big contributor to that is globalization where exports of goods has led to jobs in developing countries Mm -hmm. where people are mostly suffering yeah, I think that's yeah, I think that's interesting and like I guess where the conversation of globalization gets really interesting because I think it defines I think it comes down to what's defined as success. So, if you look at uh poverty for example, then you know, that's fine. Or you look at economic uh, economics metrics, then perhaps actually you can see that it has been a good thing and there's been a number of advantages. But actually if you look at things like climate change or if you look at things like happiness you know pollution things like that if you actually look at those kind of things if you change your metric then actually measuring success by those might question whether it was the right thing to do in the first place yeah i think um i agree in terms of you know globalization has been a good thing uh one of the countries who's benefited uh, through global globalization has been singapore you know uh, since singapore started trading uh, there was no tax uh, tax for any items. Over the years, it, it's evolved and it's become a major uh, player in uh, maritime shipping. And uh, because of this reason, you know, it's helped the economy uh, develop at much faster 
uh, rate in comparison in comparison to the neighboring countries such as Malaysia. Definitely, I think that it's helped some countries, you know, to take advantage of that. It allows uh, the country to focus on one thing, one aspect, one sector that they're really, really good at, good at. Can I just say though, isn't Singapore more of a service where it's like, for example, Malaysia, it's more manufacturing? I feel like they're very different. Yeah, but opening the markets, I mean, you go to Singapore generally for tourism and such. Yeah, but they, their, their service industry is very, very big. Yeah, yeah, but that's but, but, but their manufacturing is not exactly. But that's I mean, no. you have the ports, right? So I think here we're differentiating by the definition of globalization. Globalization is essentially not only physical trade; it's yeah. the trade and expertise exchange. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like, which but, is but, but, including but, the service. But that's what I'm saying. So like Singapore would, because of major corporations being there, because of where it is. Yeah, but that's in the, that's where it started, right? Because uh, no. if you looked at previously, you know, it was a trading hub where all the traders were yeah. from around no, the but country. Like, if you think about it, globalization, in. only benefits yes, like majorly benefits countries which are specifically placed in certain places in the world because they can communicate well with other countries. Uh, no, I, I don't agree. I, I think it. I think a big part of like you were saying, the Singapore's success was to do with the tariffs and uh, mm-hmm. tax regulations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my point was that in any game. Someone has to win, someone has to lose. And Singapore was definitely a winner, but just in the same vein as they were winners, someone probably had to pay the price. I mean, yeah. in the sense that someone well, else was, had to do the... Well, it was also, it was just like a whole, the whole world in the face of like our climate and like the environment. That's what, that's what really yeah. suffered from it. So actually all of us are paying for it. On the point around though, globalization being a good thing and us being able to specialize in things that we can focus on, uh, actually jumping to a conversation that we had off air around coronavirus and the fact that um you know we're running out of stock on things and and actually people are panicking because we don't know what we produce in this market fund forget the, that current conversation but it also means that we become more reliant on other countries like in the case of coronavirus where borders are shutting down for viral reasons as opposed to like you know physical reasons like just because of germs like we are no longer a country that can sustain ourselves. The main issue is, you know, the supply and demand of products. Uh, for instance, we've seen hand sanitizer where the prices have, you know, gone up. Uh, the reason for that is, you know, it's not sustainable for a country to keep, you know, manufacturing something when it can be easily imported from a different country. Uh, and uh, they can take advantage of economies of scale mm. when they can order such a huge amount of order from a different country that's, you know, expert at doing that, where there's cheap labor, where there's cheap products, mm. and, you know, ship that across. And over the years, what we've seen is the shipping industry has massively increased, you know. So now we are seeing... Before, we used to have like bulk carriers with, you know, fossil fuels. But what we're getting now is uh, because of the advancement of technology, we're looking at uh, LNG carriers, which are more economic friendly. Well, we're saying they're more economically friendly, but like, so this goes into another topic, which is slightly off, but it's around like the fact that we don't, nothing is beneficial, more beneficial for the environment. It's more around proportions. So it's like, as soon as something is over-harvested or overused, that's, it starts to have negative effects on the environment. So right now it might be a better solution because right now we see it, it's, it's not 
it's not as widespread as fossil fuel, for example. So it's not having as much of a negative impact. So actually this, this, this was kind of really brought to my attention. It was last, no, not two years ago, the Greenpeace advert around palm oil. And, uh, and within that advert, it's talked about the over-harvesting on, on palm oil and how much of a negative effect that was having on our, on our planet. And then actually when I was talking, so I was kind of quite keen on giving up palm oil for the year. And when I was telling my dad about it, he started laughing at me and he said, you know, back in the day before we harvested palm oil, we actually used to use whale blubber in the same way that we use palm oil now. So it's like a case where we found something that was seemed more sustainable and better for our environment. But then what, as soon as we over harvest it, it starts to have negative effects on our on our planet again. And that's the thing with globalization. It gets us to the point where we stop producing how much we need for our country and how much we need for each other. But actually we start overproducing to take take advantage of economies of scale so from your point here what i'm trying to understand is so if if each and every country did their own production of uh, a product uh, isn't that a, like a bad thing because you're doing a small production for just your own country uh, whereas you know if another country is doing a big batch but you're not putting you're not putting as much strain on your resources by doing that fine the costs the cost that the, like the economic cost might not be as low but the cost on the environment is also not as high. Then you're like saying, if, if you talk about sustainability, you might as well, everyone should just have their own like garden at the back and make their own vegetables. Totally, and I actually like, like that would make more sense than having big farms. Well, I, I I actually see that as like yeah, definitely I see that. Like if everyone just lived for themselves and lived on the land that they're given, then actually the world would be in so much of a better place. But like that, and that's actually where this conversation of globalization came is that we've moved so far from that. We've like moved to a point where we're creating like one world essentially and living off each other. That actually, we've, that's where I feel like globalization. I actually see it has been a disadvantage. Oh, that's the, that's the kind of living I actually think would work for the world. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I totally understand it. It's a, but at the same time, it's like if you were in that situation, you would try to get out of it from that situation. I mean, globalization has given us so much. I mean, like you said with the economies of scale and essentially having more competition worldwide. The consumers are the biggest winners because when people are competing for prices, we benefit. We we get prices which are more closer to cost than we would otherwise. We've advanced so much in technology. The only way we're realistically getting off this planet, like let's say we, we ruin this planet for us in the future, the only way we're going to get off this planet is the smartest people on this globe work together to figure out a way to get us out of here or even to figure out a way to save this planet. And if you're isolating the smartest people or just ideas, you're limiting yourself a lot. So we won't even get to a stage where we can produce an alternative to, let's say, palm oil because you're you're separating the field of experts. Right now, everyone, can, a person in the UK can speak to a person in Australia within seconds and, you know, discuss, oh, should we do this? Is this an option? And that advances our technology, our medicine, our economy. I mean, I, 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 if you know me, I am totally for saving the planet. But I think the way we do it is actually working together rather than by trying to go back into the Stone Age. So uh, I just put over another uh, point here about coronavirus, for instance, you know. Uh, we've talked about how, you know, it spread. Uh, Tina, you talked about it. Um, the argument for that would be, you know, uh, we've got good technology right now that can do a lot of calculations and a lot of, uh, you know, can run algorithms at much faster rate. And because coronavirus is seen as a pandemic, uh, globalization is a good thing because if we didn't have the technology and all the 
research, it will be very difficult to find a cure within the reason within a reasonable time scale. But just to play devil's advocate to that, that's actually another huge disadvantage to globalization. Yeah. Because we are so interconnected, the spread of a virus... I mean, think about if coronavirus was deadlier. Essentially, by being so interconnected, mankind... Is that threat? As a threat, exactly. Massively. Whereas if we had close borders or communities which didn't... They didn't interact with each other, it would ensure that mankind would survive. Um, to add on to that point, just because you've mentioned coronavirus, uh, how, how previously mentioned that what if viruses and bacteria are the way for the earth to cleanse itself from us, yeah. causing so much damage. By keeping us alive, because medicine has essentially doubled a human's lifespan at last. And coronavirus is going after the elderly. Yeah, yeah, essentially, for the people who, not to you know, sound extreme, but for the people who generally not have lived to that age anyway, and are only surviving because medicine has kept them alive. And by essentially, by keeping everyone alive, we're kind of fueling the problem of, well, there's more people, so therefore we need more food. To make more food, we need more farmland. To need more farmland, we need to destroy more land. And as such, even though I think it's the correct way to go, I think we can definitely go around it smarter. I, I do think we need to work together and globalization is... Okay, so there's kind of like, so there's, there's three, you're talking about different types of globalization earlier, but there's, there's essentially three types. So you talk about economic globalization, socio, uh, like social globalization, and then political globalization. And I guess we focused a lot on like economic, economic globalization. Yeah. Uh, but when you're talking about like, you know, sharing knowledge and connecting people, that's all social yeah. globalization. And, so and, actually, maybe and, there's a difference between what is good. Like it's like social globalization has been a good thing, but economic globalization. Yeah, but social. They all stem from the same root. They all came through the increasement of transport and communication. But the, to the point of social globalization, it's funny because maybe it's just human nature not to avoid change. But I always feel like, ah, oh, I wish culture wouldn't change that much. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, so <clears throat> something I came across, I think this is so interesting. So it's around the ideals of beauty. And it was right, like, so previously there were like so many different tribes across the world and all would have different ideals of beauty. So for example, in like, in some parts of Thailand, you had like the long neck tribe who would like place rings on their necks to get the highest the longest neck in like in kenya and like the Maasai Mari had the um the large ear <clears throat> large earlobes mm. there was like such varying yeah. definitions of in beauty. hawaii it's usually like the bigger yeah exactly like there's so yeah. many different vari- variations of what was beauty but then now through like social globalization we all have access to the same information and like same instagram for example yeah that actually everyone's definition of beauty and what's it's right has, started to, has become yeah. standardised. Now, like, if you look around, everyone is starting to look like Kim Kardashian. Like, yeah. it's just become the ideal of beauty and what people are, like, injecting themselves to look like. And I, I feel like that's really sad. And, you know, the biggest thing I, I found sad about globalisation of social culture is I feel like we've become less appreciative of things. Resources used to be so unique. China, for example, yeah. made a whole trade about silk, right? That was... If you had a silk garment back in the days, that was so amazing. You're just so exposed to everything. Yeah, it's just you become desensitive. Also, and before I travelled, I used to think, what's the point of travelling? I can because you see everything on Google. Yeah, and it's like Google Earth. Yeah, there's a different different uh, perspective. Yes, right. But but the culture shock would have been twenty times more. Yeah. If I I had no, if you didn't expect, yeah. Yeah. But then I feel like even everything, even though everything is on Google. And you see it on Google, doesn't necessarily mean that when you go there, you don't feel. 
So just to just to come back to your point, you know, about travel, you know. Mm. So we've seen, you know, when Wright brothers uh, produced their first aircraft in 1903, mm. and then when it became officially commercial in 1914, we've seen a steady rise in the passenger travel around yeah. the world, where it's taken shorter amount of time to travel from distance A to place A to place B. And I think what you're saying yeah. is, you know, to experience that, like... It's kind of cheapened it, is how I feel. Because back in the day, you would have to travel for yeah. months. <clears throat> like, think about having to go to America from the UK back in the days. Yeah, you'd have to take... I think it took, like, two months. Now, you can go by boat in a week. But that's, no, that's also a good thing. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah you but, can take... Yeah, but that's a reason. good thing, right? Because, it's a, a good you're thing, saving money. Yeah. You're saving time. You don't have to yeah. go for long yeah. distance, you know? But you appreciate and, it less, which is so true. I'm going to jump in on that, like, you appreciate it less, right? Do you remember... Well, I mean, this was me for sure. When there was like the ideal home exhibition or the gadget show or these like there were these exhibitions, yeah. right? And you would go, you'd go to them and like you'd see all this stuff and you'd be like, you'd be amazed because you'd yeah. never seen this machine before. You'd never and seen we this. We were so excited before. to go. So excited to go. It was like you would be really excited to go visit one of those exhibitions because you'd see stuff that you'd never seen before. But now I go there and I, I always feel so disappointed. But actually, if I think about it, it's not because what's there is disappointing. It's just the fact that I've seen it all on the internet already. Yeah. And I've probably seen the next version than what's, yeah. What, yeah. what's commercially I think, available. I think your point is also bringing, jumping back, um, is, uh, you know, we've seen the, evol- the evolution of the internet. You know, we've seen a lot of change in the internet through... Uh, how many of us do online shopping, for instance? Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah you, and don't to, you don't even need to go. Exactly, and and we've seen a lot of like as a result, you know, the high street uh, are struggling to keep up mm. with this because they can't afford the to to pay the rent mm. and because I'm, I'm gonna jump on that. But the fact that we don't have to leave our house as much, you know, even though we are more communicate, we, we are more connected than ever. Mm. I feel like people are more isolated. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think that's because. People have become addicted to being on the inst- yeah. internet. You don't constantly. have to go out. You don't have to discuss. You just message. Yeah. You use emojis to shorten your words because mm-hmm. it's just cheapened so, the experience of having friends. I I I disagree about the uh, in terms of the globalization in that aspect because in our childhood mm. uh, when we were young we used to play games. Yeah, that were you know meant physical like hide yeah. and seek or any other games that you used to play and you always used to. Be invo- you used to always involve your friends and family mm, yeah. and have that social environment. What we've seen, because the, in- the way the internet's changed, you know, we've seen online gaming. Yeah, like you hear and about kids who like spend their entire day playing games. Exactly. They don't yeah. go to school because like, yeah, they're okay. so addicted. I'm going to jump in. So, I, so, okay, so on the gaming thing, I, I heard some really interesting stuff because I, I work, when I work in my field, we talk a lot around the growth of e-gaming, uh, e-sports and things like that. Anyway, there are a few examples of where actually technology has been so amazing in being able to connect people because, so, you know, we're all fortunate in that we were in good health when we were young and like now as well. But there are, uh, you know, there's this one boy and he had, um, I can't remember what the disease or what disease was that he had, but essentially he wasn't, he wasn't um, physically mobile and, uh, and he, 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 yeah, he wasn't physically mobile essentially and he, he didn't really have many friends in school. And when he, like, so he'd come home every day yeah. and he'd go home and he'd play on the computer and uh, and his parents, like, just they would feel really sorry for him. They would feel really sad that he didn't have yeah, the life of a normal boy. Yeah, and then he passed away. And then when he passed away, he had, like, 
letters from all over the world mm. um, and like people lighting candles for his death and his family was so surprised and then they spoke to one of his friends and actually turns out he had like this whole online life mm. um, where he, ha- he even had a girlfriend like she had yeah. no idea that he, had, he, he was physically disabled in real life like he, she just assumed he was a normal boy he had an avatar where he could live his life and it was just incredible yeah. so I guess it's like although I, as much as I agree as it that it's prevented people from like us connecting who have been fortunate enough to be able to connect in the ways that we do yeah it's helped uh, it's found ways to connect different groups of people but well just a minor point to the same point catfishing as such has also arisen from the same concept right you're saying that she didn't know who was disabled right yeah Uh, you could have elderly Mm. men going after little girls because they well, that don't happens, know isn't it, it does happen. Catfish, and it like, happens. Catfish, like, if you watch the show Catfish, you can just see how creepy and yeah, like, exactly. people do what things people do on But, I mean, it has both positives. And at the end of the day, I, I think there's no way for someone to say globalization is bad. At best, I would say it's a double edged sword. I think, well, you're looking at social, socially, yeah. Yeah, yeah so social. what you're looking at is called just looking at the internet aspect, you know, that's what we discuss right now. What about uh, when we talk about migration, for instance, you mm. know, like, for instance, UK, a, a lot of migration from different countries. Uh, and we have also seen a Brexit happening uh, as a result. One of the biggest topics for that was uh, uh, migration. So in terms of the globalization aspect of migration, although it's easy to move from place one to B, from A to B. I mean, to, to, the, to that point, A to B, I mean, we're not going to touch topic Brexit because it's such a hot topic. But a lot of this country had an issue with immigration, right? So I'm not saying it is bad or good. I'm just saying people felt like there is an issue at hand. One thing I want to jump in and say, though, is that like as much as I feel like we have advanced in economic and social globalization, the one where I feel like there hasn't been much globalization is within our politics. No, no, that's not true at all. How do you think that all these countries have gotten democracy? Most of these countries used to be, you know, monarchs where one person ruled everything. In fact, democracy is maybe the biggest winner of globalization. People who used to be the worst off have gotten a better life. And I'm not saying that democracy um, is the way, but... Just saying, but like, there's still a lot of countries in the world that still have monarchs that are doing pretty well. Not doing pretty well, but they're still functioning as good as a democratic country in the sense, economically and socially. Yeah, I I get what you mean, but But I'm talking about different terms. The problem with those kind of countries is usually the rich are very rich. The poor are very poor, right? India is one of the biggest... They're one of their biggest advancement was after the democracy where you know people who couldn't afford anything started to get jobs and were treated more equally they got their democracy when they were independent right yeah yeah so look at it that way that was when when globalization reduced because england was not in india no, no, no. Yeah. Enforcing something... Globalization is not something where one person chooses everything, right? It's where the ideologies are also changed. So, like, if you think about it, polit- like, for politics, it's like, if you can't... There's certain countries in the world where, when you look at it, when we talk about political globalization, it's very hard because religion comes into play. Yeah. So, like, India is one of the worst because religion has a lot to do with uh, politics right. there. So, I wouldn't say well, they're in any way... The outside influence ever comes in. Oh, definitely. I mean, really? how do you think they got democracy? It's not like one no, person. No, I agree they got the democracy, but like in right now, their political situation is a little bit more. India by is one of the biggest watchers of the show Friends. And yeah, but 
also, well, but Friends, the TV show, yeah. which is no, American. No, 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 but the actual physical, like their actual politics is very religion based. Yeah, I mean, that's which fine. Religion, whereas, like, our politics, or, um, well, actually, our politics is not but that religious. But has it shifted? So it, it really depends. You can't really say that it benefits everyone. But everyone is your point to say that they didn't get globalized? No, no, I, I mean, they did get globalized, but I'm just no. saying that you can't say it is a massive impact. Because think about how many years it's been passed no. after globalization, no, I, they're still I, not progressive. You say that, but if if the the problem with globalization is, if you're trying to compare it, you're playing into the game of if they did if that happened, and if India was still a monarchy, I think there'd they, still be the is, civil they wars. Not, they're not. They had India's monarchy was more like each state had its own uh, king. king, right? Each state had yeah, its exactly own. fighting for power. Yeah. Yes. No, exactly, but it's still being globalized. Regardless, I, I see what you're trying to it's get. It's just, at, I mean, like, but nevertheless, like it has politics. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of these countries. Also, to add to actually the point of civil wars, a big reason for globalization is because you become independent, interdependent on other countries. You're less likely to go to war. I mean, yes, war still happens, but if we were not globalized as we were, people would be fighting for the resource. You know, we would be killing each other at each other's throats to get whatever resource we needed. I mean, it still happens to some extent, and it depends how controversial you want to go, but it has definitely reduced it. That's a good point. That's a good point. Can I just say, um, so I think for globalization for developed countries, yeah, or who have, you know, transferred from de- developing to developed country, yeah, well, it's, been, it's been really, really good for them, you know, for hmm. uh, increasing the economy, G- economy's GDP, you know, advance in the world environment. But it's been also been bad for uh, developing countries. Mm. Against your point, Kish, you were saying how it's bad that these people have these jobs where, you know, they could focus on their own country. A lot of migrants, and this includes my family, have moved country to look for a better job. And then what they do is they send back money. Is you, you help in your country. And a lot of, like, I, I can't remember what the country was. Turkestan, I think. 35% of their annual global income is money coming from outside of oh, the wow, country, I didn't know that. right? Didn't it's people sending back money, so I don't think. I wonder, like, just on this conversation around that, though, like, if you look at, I, I, I don't have any stats to back this up, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but I just wonder what the discrepancy, and I, be, I think, actually, I'm trying to think back on what I read. I believe, actually, the difference between the richest and the poorest increased. Ah, that's funny, because that's actually, I was going to bring it up Increased next, is from the globalisation paradox, right? Even though... Globally, every country is now somewhat doing better. Yeah, on, a, on dispar- average. Yeah. yeah. The disparity between the richest and poorest... Has actually increased. Yeah, and therefore people are becoming relatively poorer, even though they're earning more. Yeah. How, how do you guys feel about the point of that? Essentially, if your field of expertise was manufacturing, you essentially don't have a field. Because I, I feel like I'm fine because my, my technical... No, sorry. No, but technical. there is still a few left. I understand. But, I mean, the but automobile like, industry, which was the biggest manufacturing industry in the UK, has disappeared. Yeah. I mean, there's I mean, one or two private. Uh, I can, I can, I can give an example for that in terms of you know where we used to do a lot of coal mining uh, in Wales. Uh, that industry, that industry, you know, disappeared. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, you guys still have to steal. What What do you do when you don't have a job in there? And uh, that that's that's uh, one of the disadvantages because during uh, this was during Margaret Thatcher. Mm. Uh, where she, you know, uh, decolonized or de- she basically said about the coal industry was not relevant. Oh, or she, or that's when, that's during when she was a prime minister, that's when the coal industry changed. So a lot of people who were affected uh, by that became, you know, unemployed 
and they were struggling to support themselves. So they've got really a grudge. They've got a grudge against the prime minister for doing that. Yeah. But at this, but then slowly, and they were been they they were affected for quite a bit, and uh, through the years, uh, they supported uh, and uh, probably come out stronger. But you're you're right in that we we lose that skill for yeah. coal mining, and that's made us kind of vulnerable. Yeah. Essentially, because we ca- service industries essentially become dependent on essentially service industries bloom when the economy is doing well right when people have spare money to splash that's when service industries do so well mm-hmm. and i i don't agree yeah with because, because, oh, because it's not a necessity which just yeah, goes back yeah. to the point that globalization has just like created a whole to, bunch of things that for, we don't yeah, actually need like one of the uh, major point that you were talking about was about uh, the skill you know you've made ourselves vulnerable mm. uh, for the skill but like in terms of looking at mining for example mm. you know the skill is not really relevant at all at this day and age also, so we've we seen that skill want... slowly decline but, uh, yeah but that's but more to do with the resources we also want to move to not, uh, renewable resources rather than non-renewable yeah so but again I, like I, I think that, that point is a bit void because it's to do with resources rather than the skill set I'm, I'm talking more about manufacturing of cars manufacturing of computers mm. such things which we could have done in-house but we can do 10 times cheaper and 10 times more efficient by shipping it out. But if one day World War Three or something happens and people decide to close borders, we're essentially doomed because all we can do is... Uh, one more point I wanted to bring up um, was actually, I feel like the world is becoming westernized. I know we, I know we touched with cultural, on culture yeah. and such, but I feel like it's a bit sad. I, I, I quite like the idea of all these little places having their own culture yeah. and it's very hard for them to sustain it because even if they do it becomes like a tourist trap it becomes commercialized where it's not as authentic i think uh, well, i am more... like oh, sorry i'm just gonna jump in on that though. like as, as much like i agree with that but then actually if you look at like um for example so i think for a long time it was believed that like english was going to be the most predominant language but actually like China have become so huge that actually Mandarin is one of the most spoken languages, or is the most spoken yeah, language. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think English was. I think it English was. is one English of the was one, at one time. Yeah, English was the most spoken language, language in the world. Yeah, I, it was. I am, I'm not even that long ago. Yeah, but yeah. you say that, but you know, English is the universal language for any communication. Uh, also, to well, that might change. Also, to add on to your point, actually, as a company point, actually, since globalization, there's been less languages in the world than ever before. Yeah. And therefore, languages are being. Also, people no, like maybe not doing. Sorry, no, no, no. You're saying you're saying native language as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 I, I, I agree. But what you're saying is that like it's becoming all westernized. But actually, it, like it doesn't right. necessarily have to be westernized. So yeah. far, it's gone that way. But actually, like yeah. China, uh, an eastern country, yeah. like is is also coming up with. Yeah, like, kind of but strong. China's quite famous for being quite proud in their own language. I mean, you could mm-hmm. say the same about the French. Uh, they they're quite often speak English, but they they, they refuse. Yeah, they wouldn't. But whereas, like, if you look at India, I mean, I travel in India and I found like that I I only spoke English. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. only time I struggled really was when I was trying to call a cab, and you know, Uber there they generally call you. They drive up somewhere close by and they call you, and they don't speak a word of English. And that's the only time where I, I yeah. kind of struggled. No, yeah, saying that, but, like yeah. India, whenever I go, I could go around by myself, like in Mumbai. But and I'd be fine. No, but even though I understand Hindi, I speak Gujarati, mm. but in the sense I don't necessarily have to, I could get around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you would not struggle at all. Yeah. I mean, we've been to Tokyo, Tokyo, 
I, I was fine with English. Really? And the thing is, it's true that in towns and such, they don't speak English. But in all the no, major cities... Yeah, major, major cities are all very much... Like, yeah, that's all an effect of globalization. Yeah, I think it's good in terms of like, you know, the good thing about globalization is that, you know, you're having all these major events um, you're being held at different countries. So when you have like these all major events and... Sorry? Like the Olympics or something. Yeah, Olympics, yeah. World Cup, you know, it's driving people to visit that country, to help that economy of actually, that, saying that, that particular any country. Any place that ever had the Olympics have actually oh, never profited Yeah, they've always really? never profited from it. They've no always way. had problems. Any country that's ever had... Well, not every no, country, I, I, in the last few years, no country that's had the Olympics no can say that yeah, they profited from it. They have gone really? into from the they Olympics have only, yeah. They've yeah. had deaths, corruption, they've had like human rights violations, they've had so but many... But Olympics problems. in London was, I think, they I mean, just so, broke even. Yeah, but, no, but even London but, already but, had sorry, the... Are we talking about just tickets? No, no, no. no the actual thing. Like the, the money yeah. coming in, even like people spending. So they've actually, they even give out reports saying that the reason that they make such big losses is because of the rules Olympics like sponsors have. So like things like... Coca-Cola is the only soda that's supposed to be served around the Olympics at all times. The people, like certain people can only get this and this yeah. and then like the rules and the I stuff mean, expected is ridiculous. It's actually, this, like year, this, this year will be, be the same it. problem because Tokyo is actually considering cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One thing about social globalization, I thought about you learn a lot about other people's cultures. You stop stereotyping them. Oh yeah, 100%. Good which point. is really important. So I feel like racism does reduce yeah. in that sense I mean fair enough at the moment it has increased because of certain political issues but overall by learning about more about other people's cultures you do stop stereotyping yeah. and stop thinking of them as an enemy and yeah. can give them as a friend yeah I'm going to piggyback on that because it's not only about racism it's also women rights if you look at the Middle East Women now mm-hmm. in some countries they, they can go out without their scarves. Yeah, so well, before they wouldn't even be allowed. In to Saudi use. Arabia, women are now allowed to drive. Yeah, exactly, and that's all part of the globalization movement. I think I mean even though we've brought out a lot of negative sides of globalization, in general, the the biggest concern we have is really you know global warming, which is huge, which is huge. But like I said, I believe the solution in. But you do realize that we would not be where we are right now without globalization. Yeah. I mean, I get that obviously the after effects is yeah. uh, global warming, but at that time we were progressing very well and people did not expect it economically. To be economically, that's the thing is that that's what we're measuring this on is that we I progressed think, economically, but whether but that's actually socially, the right metric. We did, where would you be? You, you, sorry, just not to point fingers, but you guys are all from Kenya, right? Yeah. So that means you were what? You were colonized, taken over there? No, we were. Like, so this is the thing, like. Well, my dad's side, my grandfather moved from India to Kenya to start a new life. Whereas oh, he chose to move. He there. chose to move there. Oh, right. And then on my mum's side, my great grandfather moved. So my grand, my mum's dad was actually born in Kenya. So his the generation before moved by choice. Wait, are you all by choice? Then? No. Yeah, my, my family were taken to Kenya by Kenya. We were taken to uh, as part of the colonization. To, yeah, to to build the railway. Okay, you? I think so as well. Yeah. yeah, and like for me, even though like I'm not Indian. Uh, like, my, my parents struggled to get a better life in a different country. I'm here today. I was born in Germany because of my parents using globalization to give me a better life. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, so, so, for example, like, not even just my family, but all my family in India, the reason they were able to progress as well is because my grandfather was sending money to them, like we were speaking mm, about yeah. before, which means they could then obviously increase. 
Great. Okay. So after, with all that, uh, let's get final roundup of thoughts. So globalization, has it been a good thing? Yes or no? Stefan, let's go to you. Yeah, first. 100%. Yeah. Uh, we can, we can tune it to be better, but 100%. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Stefan as well. I think globalization is, uh, is impacted a lot of countries where they've made uh, good progress. And uh, if it wasn't for globalization, then I think the countries would be either be struggling or just, yeah. So I, Globalization has been a good thing, and I think it will continue to be a good thing. Oh, I agree with both of them. I'm for globalization. I have Don't not changed hipster. my mind. <laughs> no, I've not changed my mind. There's what I would one. say, <laughs> what I would say, is that actually now going into deeper thought, I guess like when we split it out between economic, socio, and political globalization, I'd say that. For me, like socio like social globalization has probably been a good thing. Well, has been a good thing. I'd say the other two maybe not because of the the impacts it's had on the climate. So, and I think that those those are huge prices that we're still not even seeing the full cost of. I, I, I don't can want I, to, can, can I, I just Great. So that wraps up episode three of At Twenty Eight. I said thank you, Cooper, for joining us as our guest speaker. And until next time. <laughs>